The Orthodox Journey. In this edition of The Orthodox Journey, we reflect upon the Gospel reading on the second Sunday of Luke. We commemorate Saint Pelagia and bring you our weekly spiritual reflection. This is The Orthodox Journey. The Holy Gospel. This Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Luke and the Sunday of the Holy Fathers of the Seventh Ecumenical Council, the Gospel reading is the well-known parable of the sower. Luke chapter 8 verses 5 to 15. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. How simple And concerning does this parable of the sower appear to us? It is very relevant to us today, and for this reason, we should examine it more deeply. If we picture the figure of the sower and the seeds as presented in the parable, don't we see Christ walking about the roads and pathways of Galilee? Some people came to see a man. Others had told them about to listen to what he had to say. He did not answer any of their questions, 
did not satisfy any of their needs except for their desire to see someone unique in their times. They heard about his word but did not keep it. They found him true but did not take it any further. They heard the words but not the cry of their soul which was hungry for the true word. That is why after Christ left, they too went back to their work, to their homes, back to their usual daily lives. Others who stood by the side of the road accept the message. Something stirred in their heart, in their mind. He gave them an answer to something. They accepted it. They embraced it and went home. But the moment they left the roadside, they were taken over by their concern for their home. There were so many things they had to do, so many things they had to think of. They would do it tomorrow or if they could change the message of Christ to something more simple and not so absolute. Finally, there were those who accepted the word of God, like the fertile ground and brought forth fruit. These people weren't just simply better people. They were most probably not. They are the sincere, the courageous, the brave hearts, because you need courage to listen to the word of God and courage to live according to it. Such people produce results because Jesus says they do so as they are waiting patiently for God to direct them in whatever they do. However, what is this seed? What is the word of God? Firstly, in order for the word to be spread, to be sowed, it means that there must be a sower. It is not possible to sow the seed without a sower who will work systematically, diligently, from dawn to dusk, in all weather, in order to sow the seed. And of course, the spreading of the seed, the word, requires a sower or speaker, because without speaking or preaching, how will the word of God be spread? St. Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And of course, the first sower and preacher of the word was Jesus Christ himself. St. John Chrysostom tells us, he did not come randomly, but specifically for our benefit. In our relationship with him, he approached us even further, wearing the human form in order to preach his word. Thereafter came the apostles, the fathers of the church, and so on. Sowers of the word, continuing Christ's work. Secondly, we have to ask, why was there a sower who needed to go out and sow the seed? If farmers stopped growing wheat or fruit or vegetables, of course we would not have food, that which is essential for life. So the sowing and the growing of seeds is essential for life. The spreading of the word, the hearing of the word of God is far more important, is greater than the need for food itself. The result of not hearing the word of God will be spiritual death. Imagine our church without a sermon, without Sunday school, without scripture, without the preaching of the word of God. 
just as the sowing of seeds results in plants which bear fruits and more seeds, therefore sustaining and growing life, so too is it more important to spread the word of God through preaching, teaching, writing, discussion. This brings forth spiritual life. How else can people come to know God without hearing or listening in order for these people to start their spiritual growth? Therefore, it is essential that the word of God is spoken and is spread amongst all people so that the truth of the gospel can be brought to more and more people. When the word of God is absent from our lives, only the thorns of bad habits will sprout in our soul and we will be traveling towards our eternal suffering. Great is the need of speaking and hearing of the holy word of God in our life. Thirdly, the seed is the word of God and it has great power. From the smallest of seeds, which seems like a speck, a lifeless grain, there exists great power to bring forth life and great fruit. As long as this small seed finds suitable ground, it will, after being buried, grow to become a great tree, bringing forth many gifts and sustaining life. This small seed will be able to eventually withstand great wind, rain, snow, and drought. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Look at how the word of God has transformed people. St. Paul himself, Father Femi in Sierra Leone, for example. Look at how the word of God has guided their lives, has guided nations, has given direction to family and communities. You would therefore conclude that whoever heard the word of God would then transform their life. However, the parable shows us that this is not the case. In fact, the sower only had a 25% success rate. So what type of person is the good soil? The good soil is a person who is willing to accept the truth and is open to the influence of the word of God in their life. Someone who is honest and willing to believe and who will join with Christ. Someone who is willing to sacrifice themselves to obtain virtue. Someone who will bring forth spiritual fruits with patience. Someone who will bring others to Christ as well. There are many examples of people who used to live in sin, who were, however, of good disposition, who upon hearing the word of God changed their lives and brought forth many spiritual fruits. For example, Cornelius and Lydia that we read of in Acts. The question is, is it possible to change between the four categories that Christ used in the parable? St. John Chrysostom tells us that it is possible because if it were not, then the sower would not have gone out to sow his seed. God would not have gone out to spread his word. If everyone is not transformed, that is not because they can't, but because they don't want to. The Saints of the Week 
Saint Pelagia lived in Antioch in the latter half of the 5th century. She was infamous among the people of Heliopolis as a beautiful, seductive and immodest harlot. Margareta, as she was known, would parade around the streets of the city in a luxurious carriage, followed by an entourage of slaves. She would ornament herself from head to toe with expensive jewellery, douse herself with perfume and wear form-fitting, provocative clothing in order to seduce her victims or laugh at those she scandalised. On one Sabbath, crowds had gathered at the Church of St Julian, where Bishop Nonas of Edessa was giving a sermon. He had been invited by the Archbishop of Antioch during the city's church council to address the local bishops as he was a great and wise speaker. Margarita, out of curiosity, stopped her carriage and approached the crowd to hear the words the preacher had to share. Most lay people and clergy were ashamed and embarrassed, averting their eyes as Margarita walked by. However, Bishop Nona stared at her. He wept and saying to those who listened, Woe unto us, lazy and careless people, who will have to give account on the day of judgment for not having been as zealous and careful to please God as this poor woman has been to adorn her body for fleeting pleasure. And that night, Bishop Nonas prayed fervently to God for the conversion of Margarita's soul. The following day, Margarita was among those who gathered to listen to Bishop Nonas give a sermon on the Holy Gospel and the Divine Liturgy. His thoughts and teachings on salvation and the Last Judgment resonated with Margarita, striking her heart and awakening her soul to the truth of repentance and God's unfailing love. With weeping tears of repentance and conviction to change her ways, Margarita wrote a letter to Nonas, confessing her sinfulness. Trusting in God's mercy, she requested a Christian baptism. In reply to this letter, Nonas answered that if she were truly willing to change her ways and reject her sinful life, the Margarita would also be willing to come to the church and confess her offences in front of the whole congregation and all the bishops. Margarita took courage and rushed to the church. In this crucial moment, she overcame her pride and knelt before the bishop and gave her honest confession. The archbishop, informed of these actions, sent for the deaconess Romana, who came to the church and dressed Margarita in a baptismal gown and served as her godmother. She was baptised with the name Belagia. Romana acted as a spiritual guide to Belagia, instructing her in the way of spiritual warfare. Belagia had overcome constant temptations to return to her former life through the use of prayer and the sign of the cross. Every day, Belagia was bombarded by the attacks of the devil and every day she conquered him. Until three days after her baptism, Belagia took the resolve to free all her slaves and give all her possessions and money to Donas, who distributed them appropriately. Free of all her worldly ties, Belagia dressed herself in plain and simple clothing and set out in search of the Holy Lands, unbeknown to those in Antioch. She settled in a cell in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, where she struggled against her deep-rooted passions through an ascetic life, devoting every waking moment to prayer and deprivation. She truly lived the words Bishop Nonas used and dedicated her time to adorning her soul for everlasting life with the same care and effort she had once taken on adorning her outward appearance. 
Belayer disguised herself as a monk, and despite living a solitary existence, Belayer's virtue of asceticism and penance was soon known to all the ascetics of Palestine. They spread the stories of the virtuous monk Belayos and all his spiritual gifts. It happened that the deacon of Bishop Nonas, James, made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Hearing of the ascetic Belayos, he went to be instructed by him, and through God's grace and Belayer's dishevelled appearance, James did not recognise the former Margareta. She, however, recognised him, asked for the prayers of Bishop Nonas, and retreated into her cell. The holy penitent Saint Belayer gave her soul to God only four years after living her life as an ascetic, and was buried in her cell in the Garden of Gethsemane. Saint Belayer was unrecognisable due to her extreme fasting and the harsh lifestyle she persevered for, and upon her death the Holy Fathers discovered she was a woman and tried to keep her story a secret. However, soon the word spread of the saint, and pilgrims gathered to venerate her holy relics. Saint Pelagia went from a life of prostitution and exotic dancing to one of extreme asceticism and simplicity by renouncing her previous life with determination and through her every action. She was able to fulfil the words of Saint Baisios, the first child of humility is simplicity, and when simplicity is present in a person, love, sacrifice, goodness, philotimo, and devotion are also present. In her Kondakion we chant, Thou didst wear out thy body with fasts, vigils, and prayers, and pray thy Creator for total forgiveness. Saint Belayer's repentance was possible because she was opposed to and intolerant of hypocrisy. Her meticulous attention to her outward appearance and how she transformed her inner state brought Bishop Nonas to tears of repentance over his own hypocrisy. Bishop Nonas's initial repentance, reflected in his homily, ignited hers, and later hers ignited his. Bishop Nonas believed that he had not dedicated himself as eagerly to living and committing to the words he preached and God's will, as Belagia had committed to overturning her vanity. Saint Belagia showed us the powerful effect of true repentance. It moves those around us to repentance also. These are the words of Bishop Nonas's sermon, which turned a harlot into a saint. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, that God came into the world to save the thief, to give the harlot virginity, to redeem the publican, calling all sinners to repentance? However, God will not enter the temple if it is unclean. To enter the bridegroom's wedding feast, the unity of love, one must put on the wedding garment of repentance. Then he will desire to be with you. Wash with tears, take off the dark clothing of sin, Put on humility and seek the pearl of salvation. The merciful lover will make you radiant in the festal robe of purity and with a crown of righteousness, God, the eternal lover, grants virginity to those debauched by death when they adorn themselves through repentance. Abandon worldly charms and zealously cut off all hypocrisy. Be fruitful in the labours of love in which material sorrows drift away replaced by the fragrant stillness, the presence of the bridegroom. We commemorate the saint on October the 8th. Orthodox Spiritual Reflections 
Have you ever tried to explain to a friend or work colleague what it means to be a Christian? It can be a difficult task, condensing a lived experience into words that often fall so short of their intended meaning. Today, we reflect on the ancient writings contained in the Epistle to Diognetus, not only for a historical appreciation of how the early Christians lived our ancient faith, but also for some inspiration on how to be a Christian in the modern world. So what do we know about the Epistle to Diognetus? An unknown Christian wrote a short letter to a pagan called Diognetus between the years 100 and 150 AD. A young priest found the manuscript of the short letter in 1436 in Constantinople in a pile of packing paper in a fish shop. We know this letter as the Epistle to Diognetus. The Epistle is an apology defending Christianity. It begins with an introductory address to Diognetus, who is curious about Christianity. He wants to know about God and why the Christians do not follow the practices of the Greeks or the Jews. He also asks how they love each other and why Christianity was not around earlier. The epistle is a very important part of holy tradition because of what it says about Christian life. It explains that Christians are not different in terms of their country, language or customs. The author states that Christians are found in the flesh but do not live according to the flesh. They live on earth but take part in the life of heaven. They are obedient to the laws, but by their own lives, they supersede the laws. They love everyone, even though everyone persecutes them. People don't understand them, and they condemn them. They put them to death, but they become alive. This epistle teaches us how Christians live in the world, but do not belong to the world. May they describe the Christians of today in the same way. Απ' το Θεό πλαστάνει 
Με τη σαπέλου το χυμό, νέκα τη ευλογία. Θα σε διψάσω, θα χαρώ. Μέρε καρποφορία. Θα σε διψάσω, θα χαρώ. Μέρε καρποφορία. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of The Orthodox Journey. To keep up to date with our podcast, subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to orthodoxjourney.com where you can find even more Orthodox articles, talks, sermons and podcasts.